Good stuff. Now listen, it sounds okay on the live stream, but it doesn't sound anything like that. Uh, it doesn't sound anything like this in here. I listened to the live streams, and uh, let me tell you, I, I was not happy with the quality of sound from coming from one microphone. <laughs> it sounds terrible compared to that. If you stay home and watch the service, and you could be here, you're crazy. You are crazy. 
It sounds so much better here. I don't, there's not a whole lot we can do about it right now. I mean, we're doing the best we can. But, boy, I would not stay home if I could be here. Boy, just to hear that and the choir already, I'd be here. It sounds so much different. And, boy, I'll tell you what, it's awesome. Now, again, it was a blessing. Don't misunderstand me. It was a blessing to be able to watch it while we were away, and that's great. But, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, um, I, I would much rather have been here. I, if I could have just, you know, like Samantha on Bewitch, if I could have wiggled my nose or, you know, I would have just popped in for that hour and a half. And uh, <clears throat> and I'd have come to the service. And then I'd have popped right out of here, uh, maybe after I said hi or so a little bit. But anyway, we're so good to be back. Uh, so glad to be here. And uh, take your Bible, if you would, would you? And turn to Matthew chapter 22, please. Matthew chapter 22. And again, you'll notice you'll say, why does that guy not have his glasses on? Well, if you're visiting, it's because I can't read with them on. I can only see distance. And it's probably to my benefit not to see you when I preach. It's probably a blessing for me. Amen? You're a big blur to me. So if you're frowning or sleeping, uh, I can't tell. You know, so good for you, right? Or texting or looking uh, up this or that. And I couldn't tell you. People say, were you distracted when I got up and had to leave? I say, you left. <laughs> no. <laughs> now, again, I don't want you getting up and leaving during the message unless it's an emergency, obviously. But, and I don't think our children should be getting up and leaving unless it's an emergency. Uh, yeah, I said that, yes. But, uh, uh, but the fact is, is that, is that I, I'm not as distracted as some would believe because I can't really see as good as some would imagine I do. But uh, anyway, I'm glad to be here, and we'll do our best. And uh, you're better off for me being able to see the paper, I think, because it's, it's bad enough with me seeing notes, let alone without them. So Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 36 today. Matthew 22, verse 36 through 38. <clears throat> Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets. I want to draw your attention to verse 36 through 38. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Now, earlier in the chapter, chapter 22, we're going to see that Jesus Christ was being challenged by, by everybody and anybody that was anybody. I mean, we have early on in the chapter the Herodians that stepped up to the plate. And they, got, they tried to trick him with dealing with money. Look, if you will, in verse 17... And, 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 and there in chapter 22, verse 17, the Herodians say, Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? And his response is just classic. It's wonderful. He says, verse 19, Shew me the tribute money. And they brought it unto him in a penny. Brought him a penny. And he said unto them, Whose is this in image and inscription? They said unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Amen. 
Again, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ is claiming to be a king, and now all of a sudden, is it okay then for us to give our money to Caesar? I mean, you're supposed to be this king. I mean, is it all right? I mean, can, how can we justify the two as either he's king or you're king? Which is it? They tried to catch him. They tried to trick him. Notice the, the, the Sadducees then step up to the plate. The Bible tells us the Sadducees are those that don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They, were, they didn't believe in the resurrection, so they were sad, you see. Right? That's the only way I could ever remember that. They were sad, you see. And because they didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, they step up to the plate and they, they deal with another important area of our lives. They deal with marriage. And they come to him and they talk about a man who had a wife and they didn't have any children and he dies and then the custom of that day and the way it worked was that she would then go to the brother. And I'm glad it's not like that today. But nonetheless, uh, he... I'm just saying I'm glad it's not that way. I already have a wife. But anyway, um, saved by the bell. But anyway, the, the fact is, is that I'm glad it's not that way. I really am and I think that Obviously, under grace, we're very glad as a whole. It's not. Please, don't read into things like that. But nonetheless, we find here that now the, the, the woman now goes to the brother. And she, he dies. And then she goes, he, she goes to the next brother and to the next brother and to the next brother until all seven of them have had her as wife now. And the question, of course, is asked. Look in verse 28 here. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. Every one of them had a physical relationship. Every one of them was involved in this marriage relationship. Okay, whose wife will she be in the resurrection when we come to the end of this life? And they're just trying to trick him. And Jesus, he puts them in their place in verse 30, and he simply says, For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. And someone says, Wow. So that means angels... Can't, be, uh, can't procreate, angels can't have children, angels can't marry. Well, it didn't say they can, it just says they won't. Because we get into some issues maybe back in Genesis chapter 6, if that's the case. So we have to be consistent with our Bibles. And what we do know is that in heaven, the angels do not marry, or, nor are they given in marriage. And by the way, neither will we. We're married already to Jesus Christ. I know that doesn't fit good with that, you know, romantic idea that we'll grow old together and then we'll be together forever and eternity as husband and wife. That's not what the Bible teaches. Now, you'll be known as you're known and you'll have identity and so forth and so on, but the fact is that our purpose and our responsibility and our, our goals and our, our, our reason for existing will be a little bit different. Marriage won't be necessary, and therefore it's not needed. We'll be able to devote our entire and complete focus on Christ and the work He gives us to do. And we'll be perfectly content doing so. We may not fully understand nor comprehend that, but it is a reality. So the Sadducees step up to the plate and try to confound him and mess him up. So we deal with money, a major area in our lives. They try to trick him. They try to confound him. We deal with, with marriage, and that's a major area of our life. And, and they attack him on that front. And now they deal with this issue of the commandments and keeping them. 
And that's kind of where our passage jumps in or takes place. Verse 34, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. So everybody's taking a shot at Jesus now. Everybody that's anybody is taking a shot at Jesus. All the big dogs in their culture, their society, the religious leaders, the very intelligent and wise, so to speak, the worldly wise men, those that have been trained in all the the education of the world, they've stepped up to the plate, they've tried to confound him, they've tried to mess up his doctrine, they tried to back him into a corner, and every time Jesus comes out smelling like a rose. In this particular case, verse 34 the Pharisee had heard that he had been put, put the Sadducees to silence and they gathered together. And then one of them, which was a lawyer, don't read into that, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Now we know that there are a number of commandments. We especially are familiar with the ten that we read about in Exodus Chapter 20 in Deuteronomy chapter 5 is they're restated again before the children of Israel go into the promised land. So even if we just narrow it down to those 10, he steps up and says, all right, which one of those commandments is the greatest commandment? And of course, I'm sure they're thinking, well, if he picks one of those, then we're going to be able to nail him because all God's word is important. And Jesus says something once again. He just confounds them. And he says, Master, excuse me, he says, verse 37, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And he says, I'll tell you what, let me just go ahead and summarize the rest of it. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you you the first And then I'm going to give you this one as well. And it's going to round out all ten. I'm not going to tell you which of those is most important in the sense. He said, this is the greatest commandment. And it involves a couple of those. And this is the next one. It involves the rest of those. They're all equally important. However, this is the main one. You better love God. You better love God. You better love God. Now, who can argue with that? Who can argue with that? So which is most important? Don't steal or don't... Don't covet thy neighbor's wife. Love God. Oh. Can't argue with that one. So today, this morning, I want to ask the question. Do you love God? Do you love God? And the next question I have is this. How much? See, that may seem like a silly question to ask a group of folks that have gathered in a church service on a Sunday morning here. Do you love God? That's crazy. That's nuts. Of course we love God. Wouldn't be here if we didn't love God. Okay. But I do believe, in spite of all of that, that this is a very good question to consider from time to time. Do I love God? Do you love God? I want you to know that He loves you. I do want you to understand that. Take your Bible, look at John 3.16. You say, I've got it. I've got it memorized. Well, turn anyway. Just humor me, please. It's always good to open our Bibles a little bit, to kind of look at the Word of God, to actually see it for ourselves. You could take my word for it, but it's a lot different when you take His Word on it. 
Notice John chapter 3, verse 16. I know you probably haven't memorized. I, 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 I think I do. I've said this a few times. But boy, I'll tell you what, it's good to see again and again. For God so loved the world. Now, I want to stop right there real quick because the Bible doesn't say, for God so loves those that go to church every Sunday morning, does it? It doesn't say, for God so loved those that love Him. He says, for God so loved the world. You know what that means? That means He loves you, and that means He loves me. That means He loves every single creation or creature that He put on earth called mankind. He loves us all. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. What, what, the fact is, is that God loves you. And may I say that whether you feel loved by God or not, He still loves you. Do you know that whether you're in the pit of despair today, He loves you? Whether you're in the battle of your life or for your life, He loves you. Whether you're facing the greatest challenge you've ever faced, He loves you. I mean, whether you're feeling more lonely than you've ever felt, He loves you. I mean, whether you're crushed by the pressures of life, He loves you. I mean, whether your marriage is falling apart, He loves you. Whether your children are rushing toward rebellion, He loves you. Whether your family is divided, He loves you. I mean, whether, whether your future is unsure, He loves you. I mean, whether you just lost your job, He loves you. Whether you just lost your spouse, He loves you. Whether your spouse just left you, He loves you. Whether your health has slipped or you've gotten that horrible news, He loves you. And no matter what, no matter what, God loves you. No matter what. Someone says, well, there's, certainly there's people that God couldn't possibly love. He loves everyone. Wear that one a while. The next time you think you're a little better than someone else, I want you to know you're not loved any more or any less than they are by God. God loves them. And God loves you. See, God loves you right here, right now, where you're at in your life, where you're at even in this place. So with that said, I've got some thoughts I want to share with you today. Three simple thoughts. So let's have a word of prayer and then we'll go forward. Father, we love you. We are thankful for this privilege that we have to gather in this place called your house. Now, God, help us, Lord, just to truly focus our attention on you and to glean what you'd have for us. We desperately need you in these next few moments. We love you. We praise you. And we give to you glory and honor. And Lord, may you help us to really ask, or should I say answer the question, do I love God and how much? Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Number one, here's just a couple thoughts. Number one, we are commanded to love God. We're commanded to love God. Take your Bible, look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. We're commanded to love God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. There we read, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. That's a commandment. We are commanded to love God. 
In Matthew chapter 22, our text, verse 37 and 38, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. See, we are commanded to love God. Now, there are a number of reasons why we should love God. And in Romans chapter 5, we read in verse 8, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We ought to love God because He died for us. We ought to love Him because He left heaven and came to earth, lived a sinless, perfect life. He ultimately gave Himself as a sacrifice on Calvary, shed His precious blood, was bruised, battered, and beaten by humanity, and there He was buried, and He rose again the third day. We ought to love Him, should love Him, because he commended his love towards us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We ought to love him because he died for us. And look at Psalms chapter 116, 116. The psalmist here, we're not 100% sure who it is. Likely it's David. We'll give him credit for it. Certainly wouldn't go contrary to his character. But there's nothing that says specifically it's him. Psalm chapter 116, verse 1 through 6. It says, I love the Lord, David. We can see, we can hear David saying that, can't we? I, he was a man after God's own heart. I love the Lord, David says. I think God would like to hear that from us more often. But you know, David's not just telling God this. He's telling us that. Our children need to hear us say, I love. Love the Lord. Our grandchildren need to hear us say, I love the Lord. Oh, we're so big on today, you know, men have to express their emotions and men have to tell their wives they love them all the time and their children, they love them all the time. It was years ago, men didn't say those things and it scarred us to death to become the greatest country in the entire world. We're so much stronger as a nation today since men are wearing their feelings on their sleeves. That's a whole other issue. I'm going to move on quickly. But nonetheless, I think it's important that we express our emotion. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think a man should tell his wife he loves him. I do think a man should tell his children he loves them. I have no problem with that. But why is it that we're willing to tell our wives, we're willing to tell our children, we're willing to tell everybody else we love them, but rarely do we say, I love the Lord. Not just to the Lord in secret, but to mankind in public. Notice Psalm 116, verse 1. David, I love the Lord. Why, David? Because he hath heard my voice and my supplications, because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death can pass me. The pains of hell got hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low and he helped me. I mean, again, it's likely that David was writing this psalm and one could have concluded that David had every right to be angry with God. David had every right to resent the Lord. I mean, here he was serving God, giving his very best, and yet he's on the run from his, his, his king now. He'd given his Loyalty to his king. He had surrendered himself to God himself. And now here he is being tracked down like a wild animal. We could have said, where's God? Where's God? But he didn't do that. 
He says, I love the Lord. Let me tell you why I love Him. He heard my voice. He hears my voice. He answered my prayers. He delivers me. He extends grace and mercy to me. He preserves and protects me. He helps me. That's what David said in the passage. First sign of trouble. Where's God? It has abandoned me. Oh, God, where are you at? What is wrong with us? Has he not been with us all along? And pray tell, ask, answer me this. Who are you going to trust other than him to meet that need in your life? Right. What, the doctors? A lawyer? A government official? Who are you going to trust to meet your needs anyway? Like you have all these choices. And I have all these choices. Which of them has any power over death? Which of them has any power over disease? Which of them has any power over circumstance and situation? None of them but God. And David says, I may be on the run from the king. My life may be a mess right now. But my God's still as good as he's ever been. The same God that helped me to kill Goliath is the same God I serve today. And God's done the same thing for us this morning. Oh, we have a number of reasons to love Him. Still, we have to remember, we're commanded to love Him. That's what we have to really remember. We're commanded to love Him. Sure, there's a number of reasons we should love Him, but we're commanded to love Him. You and I really don't have a choice. We're commanded to do it. Number two, because we are commanded to love God, that makes loving God a choice then. Do you realize you don't have to love God then? I just said you don't really have a choice. As a believer, I hope you love Him. But the truth is you do have a choice. You have a choice to accept or reject Him. You have a choice to love Him or not. That's your decision. You are not forced to love God. You don't have to. God won't make you do it. He won't make you love God. You say, well, He doesn't? No. The Bible says right here. Someone says, well, I'm having a hard time loving God. He hasn't come through for me. If He really loved me, why did He allow these things to happen to my life? You know, there's a number of reasons why God permits difficulties and even tragedies in our life. But because He loves you and I, we can rest assured that He never means it to break us, only to build us. And we can get angry at God, we can resist Him. We can resent Him. We can neglect Him and reject Him. But when it's all said and done, my friend, the reason you love or don't love God is because you choose to love or not love God. It has nothing to do with your circumstances. It has nothing to do with your situation. I don't love God because... No, you don't love God because you choose not to. I don't love God if I don't love Him because I choose not to. And if you do love Him, it's because you chose to love Him. It is a choice you make. It's a choice I make. Matthew 22, 37, 38. Turn there again, would you please, our text. Notice what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 and 38. Jesus said unto him, saith unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great what? Commandment. There you go. 
You choose to follow the commandments or not. That's your choice. You're going to love Him or not. It's your decision. Don't blame your circumstances. Don't blame your, your, your situation. Just own it. I choose not to love God. Or I choose to love God. It is a choice we make. Number three, if you choose to love God, then you are to keep His commandments. Okay, so here, here's the bottom line. We're commanded to love God. And so we choose whether or not we will obey by loving God. We choose to love Him. But the Bible goes on to tell us if we choose to love God, then we're to keep His commandments. John 14, 15. Turn there, please. John 14, 15. And I want you to turn there, even if you think you have it memorized or you do. Turn there because I want to make a point. Because I do think this has been mispreached and misunderstood. Notice what the Bible says. A very short passage. Six sim- seven simple words. In John 14, 15, the Lord Jesus Christ makes this statement. If ye love me. First of all, it's if. If. That means you don't have to. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Now watch. The verse does not say, look at it now, look at it very closely. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Does it say that? I don't read that. What I read is, if you love me, keep my commandments. It doesn't say, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It does not say that. That's how it's preached usually. If you don't keep his commandments, you don't love him. Oh, really? You keep all God's commandments? Do you? I know I don't. So I don't love him. If I base it on what I just read the way most preachers preach it. And the way most parishioners take it. Wait a second. This verse is not a litmus test as to whether or not someone loves God or not then. That's not what it is. I'm going to look at your life. If he's obeying God, he's keeping the commands, then he loves him. If he's not, you don't love God. So I look at a man and I say to him, you know, you haven't been in church for three months. You don't love God. (laughs) And on the authority of the word of God, if you love me, keep my commandments. You don't love God. That's how it's preached and taught. And that's how simple-minded Christians believe so many times. And that's why we get in trouble because we go around judging people based on a First, we don't even know what it means. Well, I keep the commandments. And therefore, I have a right. I'm not judging them. They're being judged by God. Because they don't keep His commands like I do. Oh, aren't you special? You're so special. No, that's ridiculous. That's not what the verse is teaching. It's not a litmus test as to whether or not a man or a woman loves God what it is really, though, is it's whether we love God or not. It's, it's would we... It, it, it. Instead, it's kind of like saying, how much do you love God? How much do you love Him? You're commanded to love me. And if you love me, you ought to keep my commandments. So how much do you love me? See, you can love someone and not be right about some things. 
I know we express love by our actions, and I know biblically we do, and someone's already going, well, I don't like that, and I don't agree with that. Well, then you take it up with God, because the bottom line is, the last time I checked, you're not perfect either. So you're telling me you don't love God either then. Well, I do. It's just you don't know my heart. Yeah, you don't know theirs. But what I do know is that when he says to me, if you love me, keep my commandments, now he's asking, he's saying a different question really. He's saying, if you really love me, then won't you obey me? Won't you keep my commandments? Keep my commandments. Do what I tell you to do. If you love me, do what I'm asking you to do. Do what I command you to do. We could reverse the, uh, reverse the verse. <laughs> we could say, keep my commandments if you love me. We don't lose the integrity of the verse even. Now, I wouldn't do that because it's not King James. It would be the Mark version. <laughs> but let me try to explain this verse in a very practical way. We raise our children, in essence, by saying this. We love you, and because we love you, we want you to obey us. That's what we tell our kids. And why do we, why, why? Why do we want you to obey us, children? Because we want to protect you from the pitfalls and dangers of life. Why do we want you to keep our commands and do, keep our rules and follow our, 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 our uh, uh, be obedient to our words? Because we want you to prosper. Why? Because we want you to experience peace in your life. We want all that for our children. And so we say to them, listen, I love you. And because, you know, and because I love you, I want all these good things. So therefore, if you love me, keep my commandments because I don't like to see you in pain. I don't like to see you suffering. I don't like to see you engulfed in sin and, and vice. I want to see you prospering in this world and experiencing peace in your life and being able to fall back on me. Loving God is a choice. Keeping His commandments... Or obeying his word is also a choice. If you love me, keep my commandments. He wants us to obey him. If you love him, keep his commands. That's another commandment. You say, I love him, but I don't keep his commands. Why not? If you really love him, why not? Maybe it's because we don't love him enough. So I contend today that you can love God and still not obey Him. That's what I think the Bible and believe. Without a doubt, I see it in the Word of God. If you love me, keep my commandments. It doesn't say if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Someone says, I don't agree with that. If you're really saved, you'll turn away from sin and you'll never sin again. Really, so you stop sinning. Why don't you go join Reverend Angelis Church? He believes that too. Now, I'm sorry, but you ask him why people lose their healing, because they didn't believe. You're telling me those people walk up there on that stage and don't believe that they can be healed by a God in heaven? Oh, you, you all, you were, every single one of those people in Africa was healed of AIDS. The problem is the reason why the majority of them aren't now is because they well, walked away and they lost their faith and therefore they lost their healing. I've heard him say it. I've heard him say things on the radio about people, and I know he's 90-some years old now. But I'm telling you, this mentality is still around us, all over us. It's unfortunately in the Baptist church. Oh, well, well, 
My husband, he, he, he got saved, and, my, and she's, he's reading a letter. My husband got saved, and, and he was doing so well, and all of a sudden now he's smoking again, and he's been missing some church. He says he needs to get saved. Why do you need to get saved again? You're telling me that man didn't mean business with God? Okay, I don't know. Maybe he's a liar. I don't know. But because he smokes, he's not, he doesn't love God? Are we that foolish to really believe and to draw those lines like that in the sand? You can love God and not keep commandments of God. You can make the most horrendous mistakes or sin in the greatest way you can ever imagine. And honestly, in your heart, I believe still love God. I believe you can love your wife and make a horrible judgmental error. I believe you can love your husband and honestly do a horrible thing to him and regret it the rest of your life probably. Someone says, I don't agree with that. Well, so you've never sinned against God since you've been saved. Listen, we're just human. And God understands that, but God's saying, if you love me, keep my commandments then. Bring it up, would you? Where's, uh, where's, uh, come on, yeah, yeah, help me out there, brother. Get, get somebody to give you a hand. Real quick, i got to end this. But what I'm saying is, you, if you love me, keep my commandments. So what we know, we know a couple of things. We're commanded to love God. Nobody here, nobody here would argue that, right? But, and then also, number two, because we're commanded to love God, that makes loving God a choice. We can just set it right up here. Right here at the front, fellas, if you would, that'd be great. These guys, I'm telling you what. He men. Thank you very much. Look at that. Now, so let me try to illustrate this again. As a parent, we, we talked about it. We don't want to see our kids suffer. So we beg them, please do what I tell you. And if you love me, don't disobey me because it breaks my heart to worry about you. It breaks my heart to think of you in trouble. It breaks my heart to see you in agony and suffering. Oh, please obey me. Because I want to spare you the hurt and heartache because it hurts me to see you hurting. If you love me, keep my commandments, son. If you love me, keep my commandments, daughter. And that's what God's saying to us. See, again, I don't necessarily believe that we keep every one of his commandments because the Bible doesn't say if you keep my commandments, you will if you, if you do love me, you will keep my commandments. and say that. So I believe it's not about always whether you love. It's how much you love is in question here then. Yes, amen. So here it is. Here's the throne of your life. Here's the throne of my life. Now, I, 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 need, I need some help here. Um, I tell you, Brother Chase, why don't you come on up here? And you're going to sit down here. Go ahead and have a seat. Now... Biblically and scripturally, and I know it's hard to see. I'll try to move this back as much as I can without destroying what we have here. What we have here is a man, and this represents the throne of his life. He's come to Christ, and in his heart he trusted the Lord. He, he says, Lord, I know you died for me, and I love you for what you've done for me, and I want you in my life as Savior and Lord. And he... He will tell me, if I asked him point by, do you love God? He'd say, I love God. I'd say, yeah, you know, you're not living always the right way. I know, but I, there's something inside. I can't get away from God. I just can't get away from him. And, and that's a good sign, by the way. But here he is now. Notice he's on the throne of his life. Now, he has a choice to make. If you love me, keep my commandments, the Lord says. 
He, he chooses to love God. And he chooses to keep the commands now. Now, if I really love someone, I'm probably going to listen to them. And here's what I believe. I believe that the choice today is not, do I love sports more than I love God? I don't believe, is it, do I love my wife more than I love God? I don't think it's, do I love my family more than I love God? You know what I think it comes down to? Do I love myself more than I love God? See, all those things will benefit me. But see, the question is, who's going to sit on the throne of your life? If you love me, keep my commandments. Okay, I, I'm not going to argue with you. You say you love God? Okay, my question is, how much then? Are, do you love Him more than yourself? That's the real question. Because what, if you don't keep His commandments, or at least work very diligently at it, you know what you're telling me? I love myself more than I love God. I'm not going to tell you you don't love God. I can't tell you that. I can't look in your heart and make that determination. But what I can say is, is that according to the word of God, if you love me, he says, keep my commandments. And I know that when I love me, I do what's best for me. And if I really love God, I do what was best for God. And if he says to me, let me sit on the throne of your life, stand right there, would you? Then I'm going to let God sit on that throne. And that means I'm going to allow God to order my steps. I'm going to allow God to share, tell me what he wants me to do next. I'm going to let God determine who I'm with the rest of my life. I'm going to let God determine who I marry, who I don't marry. I'm going to let God determine who my friends are. I'm going to let God determine where I work, where I don't work. I'm going to let God determine how much he wants me to make or how little he wants me to make. I'm going to let God decide whether he wants me in ministry or don't want me in the full-time ministry. I'm going to let God to tell me whether he wants me doing this or doing that, whether he wants, doesn't want me to do this or that. I'm going to let God sit on the throne of my life. He's going to call the shots. He's going to pull the strings. He's going to order the steps. If you love me, keep my commands. You choose to love God, but then you choose to keep his commandments. And I believe today that it is not a matter of choice. Do I love or not? I think it's who do I love more? Yes, amen. That's good. You can go ahead and pretend it's, you know, that guy, you know, he's got all these gods in his life. You know who the biggest God in your life is in mine? Me, myself, you, yourself. Do you know why you'll stay home and watch the sporting event or you'll go here or go there and miss God's house and do those things? Because you love yourself. It's not what God, it doesn't matter what God wants. What matters is what I want. It's going to be fun there. It's going to be exciting there. It's going to be wonderful. I can't wait. Yeah, you're on the throne. You're pulling the strings. You're making the decisions. Oh, I'm not saying you don't love God. But how much do you love him? Do you love him more than yourself? That's the only question you have to really answer in your life, and that's the only one I have to ask. Who do I love most? Matthew 22, verse 37 and 38, Jesus saith unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. That doesn't leave a whole lot of place for anyone else. He's first. He's first. He's first. There's never a time I should be first. There's never a time my wife should be first. There's never a time my pastor should be first. There's never a time my occupation should be first. There's never a time education should be first. He's first. Who do I love most? How much do I love him? Because that will determine, have a seat. No, this seat, my friend. 
That will determine whether Brother Chase sits on the throne of his life or whether he allows God to sit on the throne. Who do you love most, Chase? Don't answer me. Who do you love most, God or yourself? That's the question he must answer in his life. And that's the question each of us must answer. Father, we come to you. Thanks, Chase. We thank you again, Lord, for your love and your grace in our life.